lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Boy, what a slow news day we have in store today. Anything going on? No? Kind of just feels kind of meh. Bland. Right? The writers for 2020 hold all the beers. October surprise! (laughs) And something tells me this will not be the final one. No, no, no. No, probably not. Greetings and welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre are with us. Our good friend Jordan Schachtel will be joining us here momentarily because he'll be a part of the Dace Group Week in Review Roundtable here in a moment. 888-900-3393 is the number here to the program. You can also let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. That's steve at stevedace.com. D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show, over on Parlor at Steve Dace, and check out our new YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. Coming up on the program today, oh, I should also mention, uh, I got word from the publisher today, pre-sales for A Nefarious Carol are going very well. So thank you very much. You can get yours today over at amazon.com if you would like. It releases nationwide on December the 15th. And it is the novella sequel to my 2016 book, A Nefarious Plot, which we are now revisiting. We started that with Theology Thursday yesterday. We're turning that movie or that book into a movie as well. Sales on that book are actually going pretty well. I got to, I got word on that today. So thank you to all of you. I mean, I, I put it on you. My kids are expecting a good Christmas this year. And frankly, you have to do your part. I mean, I did mine. But now you have to do yours. And I put it on you. And so far, you are responding. So, muchos gracias. Uh, Thank you very much for that. All right, coming up on the show today, we will get some of your feedback later in the program. We're going to have some special guests with us, though, next hour. Brothers that have produced a new pro-life film that is dropping on streaming platforms across the country today. It's called Order of Rights. This movie is about four years in the making. It even includes some scenes with yours truly, in fact. And you can watch the trailer on our Facebook page if you'd like to go there. Facebook.com slash Steve Dace and watch the trailer. We'll talk to the producers of this new pro-life film, which takes a look at the issue from a different angle, from the angle of a father trying to save his unborn child. Uh, We'll do that coming up next hour as well. But before we get to all of that, of course, we begin as we always do on a Friday with the Dace Group. Brought to you by Patriot Mobile. It's the weekly look at the week that was, you know, uh, leftists love cancel culture. So if you want to give them a taste of their own medicine, how about canceling your left-wing progressive uh, cell phone carrier and lining up with America's only conservative mobile phone carrier instead? Patriot Mobile, they share your values. They will never charge you hidden fees. And unlike big mobile, they don't send your hard-earned money to entities like Planned Parenthood and other anti-American endeavors. They get give you the same reliable nationwide service, but 
They share your values, support the Constitution, put people before profits. And switching is easy. You can keep your phone number, bring your own phone, or buy a new one if you prefer. And right now, when you join their family of freedom-loving Americans, get a free activation plus a free gift with the offer code Steve. That's a free activation plus a free gift with the offer code Steve when you call 972-PATRIOT. 972-PATRIOT. Or go to their website, patriotmobile.com slash Steve again. That's patriotmobile.com slash Steve. And let us begin with issue one, bleep, Democrats say. Never before in our nation's history has the Supreme Court justice been nominated and installed while a presidential election is already underway. That was the least diverse audience I've ever seen an announcement like this made in my life. I looked around. I was glad her two kids did come out because I couldn't find too many other people of color in that audience. Yes, we wear those notorious B.I.G. T-shirts with a lot of pride. We've got to have a national discussion about how we vet a presidential candidate. We screwed this up. Whether it's the media not digging deeply enough, whether it's a time to have a discussion about a bipartisan committee that demands tax returns, make that a requirement or exposes um, financial pictures for candidates. But we we got this wrong and this can't happen again. It was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire, inside a train wreck. Should the next two debates go on as scheduled? I wouldn't be surprised, by the way, if this is the last presidential debate. Should there be other debates? Are we really going to repeat this? Are we going to have another two of of these? What the president has done here, he he has gone doctor shopping. Eventually, if you look hard enough, find a doctor who will give you the medicine that no one else will. Will advocate for a treatment that is not recommended will tell you what you want to hear. And now uh, Dr. Scott Atlas is the one in the Oval Office, basically, who has the president's ear. You know, I thought that it was extraordinarily inappropriate for him in a press conference like that uh, to contradict the director of CDC, as opposed to saying, you know, it's a complicated issue, and I think I'd like to sit down and, and discuss this with the people from the CDC. And we never needed nursing home beds because we always had hospital beds. So it just never happened in New York where we needed to say to a nursing home, we need you to take this person even though they're COVID positive. It never happened. I'm not accepting liability. I'm not accepting the premise that New York State or New York City should pay. We didn't do anything wrong. Overnight, a worst case scenario for the White House. A little before 1 a.m., President Trump tweeted, tonight the First Lady and I tested positive for COVID-19. That he uh, and Melania Trump had just had just that evening taken, uh, gotten tested, and they were still waiting for their results. So at 9 p.m. on Thursday night, he was claiming that he didn't know their results yet. Uh, that doesn't, that just seems impossible, given that they knew Hope Hicks was positive at the very latest Thursday morning, there's no way the president wouldn't have been tested until Thursday night. That, is, that, that just seems hard to imagine. But, John, it's irresponsible. Uh, you know, and you don't even know if Hope got it first. You know, she could be the fall person. And then the president does the news drop at 1 a.m. to try to deflect what's going on with his personal health. So we don't even know what's going on. So, Wendy, I'm going to take, take my mask off. 
Carlo as well. I'm just I'm waiting so that we can do a little political theater. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's get to it. Our first question, as it always is, what was your favorite blue pill to choke down this week? And Jordan is our guest. You get to go first. Go ahead. Yeah, Joe Biden keeps saying that 200 million Americans have died of COVID-19 and the media doesn't really seem to think that that's a problem. So, you know, I'm just sitting back and witnessing the apparent destruction of our country by COVID-19 and losing, uh, you know, 66 percent of the people I know. So that's that's what I keep hearing from, you know, the left and, and the Biden and Mr. Biden himself is that. You know, everyone's dead already. So I guess we're, we're in pretty rough shape right now, you know, according to these people. Todd? I've got a lot of hate swelling in my heart right now after that. It's, it's almost impossible to pick. But I will go with whoever that twit was who said we need some sort of bipartisan yeah. commission. Because all of the awful people that you saw in there would rally around that one guy as making sense when he's got it exactly backwards. I mean, we got to get rid of all of you people. You people continue to have ideas like that, thinking things like that, managing to marginalize the likes of Scott Atlas, who gave it's Fauci's the guy who came in from the beginning Atlas waited for months upon months of Fauci twisting and turning and not getting it right and lying. But all of those guys, all of the incompetence, the the governor, Cuomo, oh my goodness. Steve, you just hit the tip of the iceberg yesterday when you talk about the vile nature of that man's soul. Yet they would all rally around the notion of that. that We just cannot let Donald Trump have, how do we miss it? What did we do wrong? You guys do everything wrong all the time every day Aaron boy um, there's I just wish I wish there was like a screaming leftist or some sort of leftist freak out in there that I could choose as low-hanging fruit this week but uh, that was that, that was something else how about how about uh, Reverend at the beginning Reval um, saying that was the least diverse announcement of that type that I've ever seen in the history of these announcements, except for her two kids. That's the game. Hate the game, not the player. That's the game that he's been playing and has gotten rich off of his entire adult life. So hate the game, not the player. But that was probably probably my favorite trip on the crazy train this week. Let's get to the exit question because I want to have plenty of time to discuss issue two. Um, on a scale of one to 10 with one being Chris Wallace's dignity and 10 being Chris Wallace's douchery rate this week's level of total depravity. Todd 10 Jordan 10, of course, Aaron 10. All right, let's get to issue two, 32 days. Well, we thought the debate was going to be the big news coming out of this week. Just lost the left. Number two. I, 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 you just lost the left. Will you who shut is up, your, man? Listen, who is on your list, Joe? But in the wee hours of Friday morning, President Trump tweeted that he and First Lady Melania Trump had tested positive for COVID-19 and would be quarantining immediately inside the White House. No details yet on how long the First Family's quarantine will last. 
President Trump becomes the latest world leader to contract the virus. Prime Minister Boris Johnson of the United Kingdom had it. Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro had it. Honduras President Juan Hernandez had it and a few others. All of the above are still alive, by the way. Following the news of Trump's positive test, another positive jobs report dropped on Friday morning, finding the unemployment rate at 7.9%, down from 8.4% last month. It's the final jobs report before the November election and signals an equal unemployment rate to what President Obama enjoyed before the 2012 election. The national Real Clear Politics polling average shows Joe Biden with a 7.2 point lead over Trump. In the battleground state's RCP average, Biden has a one-point lead in Florida, nearly a six-point lead in Pennsylvania, a little over a five-point lead in Michigan, a five-and-a-half-point lead in Wisconsin, basically a tie in North Carolina, and a three-point lead in Arizona. All right, so let's get to it. Todd, I'll start with you. Uh, Where do you think the race is at right now? Well, it really depends on Donald Trump's health this if he if if he just has the sniffles uh it bounces back in three days again he's how old is he again steve 75 74 75 yeah okay so you know he's as far as we know he's in he's in good health but that's your he's creeping up on that uh age of um what 78 i think steve 77 is the age of uh, 78 is the median age of deaths for COVID 19 okay yeah so, which is the average age expectancy of a adult male in the United States? So you know, listen. If if he's if his health struggles you know, for the next month, it, it it's probably game over. If he bounces right back, it's probably game over the other way. Okay, you got to allow me everything else not being totally nuts in new ways, and we can't even do that. Of course something's going to be nuts. So, But in, have a shot at answering your question. If he bounces back healthy, and then there's no totally other crazy variable, and it's just the crazy we have right now for one month, I think then it's likely that he has a soaring victory. Jordan, what do you think? Yeah, I 100% agree with Todd. You know, our society has devolved into this like level of deranged, feeble idiocy that everything revolves around COVID-19. So why won't the election as well? So if the president recovers well, I think that helps our case a lot. But, uh, you know, the panic people would want nothing more than for President Trump to, I think, struggle for weeks with this uh, with this virus. So I think it very much depends on, on the next few days. In terms of the overall state of the race, I mean, the, the polls seem to indicate that it's that it's pretty close in the battleground states. So, you know, I, I guess we're 50-50 right now. Uh, you know, anyone who's saying that Trump's going to win in a landslide or Biden's going to win in a landslide it doesn't really make much sense to me at this point. Um, you know, Biden kind of showed that in the last debate that he didn't really have, um, or at least he was able to, you know, be coherent for at least longer than 30 seconds. So, you know, he beat expectations there. And, you know, Trump seemed pretty much on his game. And I think that the COVID response, unfortunately, because that's just the reality of what we're living in right now, will determine, you know, whether or not it helps him in the election. Aaron? I give this a 94.6% chance of actually turning out positive for President Trump, given the news overnight, because 94.6% 
is the survival rate for somebody in President Trump's uh, of President Trump's age and above. 94.6%. Give it a 5.4% chance that this ends badly. Because here's what happens. When somebody who's in the most vulnerable age demographic for COVID-19 comes back, what is it, 10 days? I'm, I'm hearing 10 days. Some people are saying 14 days of quarantine. I think the new CDC guidelines, aren't they days. 10 days? They are, I believe yeah, they are. 10 yeah. days. Yeah. Somebody in the most vulnerable age demographic, like President Trump, bounces back and says, I kind of had the sniffles. Uh, it was maybe maybe a mild flu or just a flu. Bounces back and said, okay, we're, we're still doing the debates. Uh, game back on. Let's reopen America. What does that do to the other side's, Amer- uh, other side's narrative about COVID? What, what does that do to that? Now, they're not, going to, they're not going to back down from the panic porn. They're never going to do that. But when you see somebody who is elderly, like Donald Trump, and if he is able to bounce back, which I believe he has a 94.6% chance of doing so, because that's what the CDC says, um, I actually think that does more damage. He bounces. Let's, let's, let's play this timeline out for a little bit. He bounces back right in the middle I believe it will be of Amy Coney Barrett's Senate confirmation hearings. Okay, that that could have the potential of swinging 180 degrees from whatever we're feeling right, like right now. Because we don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's saying that the, the Democrats are being baited into attacking Amy Coney Barrett. They don't need bait. Just like a vulture doesn't need an excuse to go after a dead carcass. All right, so they're going to be doing that for the Amy Coney Barrett confirmation hearings. If Trump bounces back, this could be a completely different game. And as Todd said, it could go and it could be over uh, the other way as well. So I'm actually pretty optimistic. Hmm. So the president right now would would have a would have a slightly lower unemployment rate than Barack Obama had in going into the 2012 election when he was reelected. Right. Since we've been keeping track of unemployment rates with the Bureau of Labor Statistics, only one president, no president, has been reelected when the number is trending up, uh, the final report before his reelect. No president's ever been reelected with that. Uh, Only one president has lost when the final number is trending down. And this will be the final report because the election's on the earliest day it can be on November the 3rd. So this will be the final unemployment uh, report. We'll get another one the first Friday in November after the election. Uh, Only one president has lost when the final number is trending down before his reelect. That's Gerald Ford in 1976. Remember, he was never elected in the first place. He was the appointed president because of Nixon's resignation. And that was a pretty close election between him and Carter. I I think Ford still almost received like 240 electoral college votes in defeat. So, I mean, that was uh, that was pretty close between him and Governor Carter in 1976. So now you could spin this the other way, though, and say, well, Steve, the unemployment rate is also double what it was last year. Right. Has a president ever been reelected when the unemployment rate is doubled on his watch? And the answer to that is no. So it depends on how you want. Where does covid factor into your equation where this is at? The economy has recovered dramatically faster than I ever thought it would. I mean, we were you guys asked me about a month ago what I thought the number had to be. I'm like, man, he's got to figure out how to get this thing under double digits. Well. I thought, and we, you guys all looked at me like, then we're screwed. That's never happened. And remember that conversation? Yeah. Well, we're like way under double digits now. 
Okay, so uh, and that's with several industries, uh, amusement uh, industry, theater industry. Th- th- these are industries that employ, I mean, hundreds of thousands, millions of service workers across the country, and they are still operating at ghost town levels. Right. So um, I, 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 I you want to know what's funny. If you look at the unemployment rate, you want to know what industry has got the had the largest growth in unemployment. It was uh, uh, public education, uh, 231,000 more jobs law, uh, on the unemployment line in, pub, in public education. That was the number one indicator of new unemployment claims in America, public education. So you get what you, you asked for there, obviously, with your COVID hysteria. So but but you can read the unemployment rate a lot of different ways. Depending, or, or both of those different ways. It's trending in the direction and faster than he would have possibly hoped for, but it is still double what it was a year ago, and you don't typically get reelected when that happens. And so it just, it comes down to how does COVID enter into your equation? And so I'm going to be the nattering nabob. This is my concern. And maybe it's my concern because I go out of my way to talk to people in my family and in my immediate circle that are not Trump fans but aren't totally sold out on Biden aren't aren't communists just don't like Trump's act okay and between the debate performance this week and now this the narrative that they are fed by the Democratic Party has been was cemented for them this week Trump's too big of a douchebag to be president Tuesday roll tape um, and then there's, he didn't take the virus seriously. Bam, now he's got it. Okay. And my concern with those voters is at what point are they just tapped out of drama? You know what I'm saying? At, at what point are they just, you know what, man, my head's on a swivel. A given week, I don't know if my kid's going to school. I don't know what the hell's going on. I, I, I don't know what games are on, what games aren't. You know, when the next Marvel movie's coming out. I, 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 what, I just, I can't take the drama anymore. I'm, and I'm not a partisan. I have, you know, I have beliefs and values, but, but I'm not really reliant on the political system for the, to advance them. I'm not actively engaged. I just need the drama to end. I just need it to end. And I wonder, when do those people get maxed out here? Because that's what's going to decide this, I believe. Well, I think they're all maxed out already, but it cuts both ways. There's all kinds of people on the left right now actively wishing that Trump dies from this. They're also talking about Trump deserved this because he was basically irresponsible going to a campaign and throwing hats into the crowd. And, you know, a lot of people who have had COVID or new people have had COVID might hear that and say, was I irresponsible too? Is that what you're telling me? I've just been trying to go about my life, pay my bills, keep this country going. And you're really going to be playing the blame game? This thing cuts both ways. And they've been insufferable from the second they heard this. That's why I think if Trump is healthy and then does what I told him to do before and is the joyful, patriotic American who took a bullet for the team and isn't that guy in the debate, I think people are going to swoon to that. Why would Joe Biden just not use this as an excuse? First of all, I, I, I thought it was dumb for his staff to say they were coming back. I wouldn't. If I was Joe Biden's team, I'd not come back. I got out of 90 minutes in front of 80 million people, never showed really mm-hmm. any true onset dementia. I'm running. I'm taking my ball and going home and just riding it out from here. OK, why isn't this then the perfect excuse to do this? 
I mean, Biden is, I believe, is slightly older than Trump. He's in the most, he's in a problematic age group. Why not just simply say, we just can't do this and and, and with the president and his positive test with the quarantine times and everything else. Then it doesn't look like you're ducking and running or anything like that. Why not just use this to eject on that entire process? You're absolutely right. And I could care less at this point, really. Do do, Do you need to see another debate? I don't. I don't. I don't. But the the group of people that I'm trying to get outside of my own echo chamber and bubble talking to, uh, they don't want to see another debate. They'd like to see a different debate. If you know what I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah. They sure. don't. They don't want a sequel from that film. They they actually like to see a, an event that's about them and what they think, and not what you know these two old codgers doing their Jacqueline and Walter Matthau impression think. They'd like to see not another debate, but a different one. If you get the distinction, yes. Jordan, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you already see it. Um, some of the chatter and you know, cable news, social media this morning was was uh, the left was trying to make the argument that Amy Comey Barrett, um, that her confirmation hearing should be indefinitely delayed. And we obviously know what they're doing. You know, they're just using COVID as an excuse. So they're just going to continue using these, uh, you know, COVID excuses to push their policy objectives. And I think Todd made an important point about um, you know, societal division is continues to increase when people are, you know, laying the blame for either, you know, infecting people with COVID or, or contracting COVID. They're saying that, you know, some kind of individual behavior determines this. And that's patently untrue. And like, would you ever blame someone for, for catching a cold and like shaming them? I think it, it, it's ridiculous. And we know that you know, COVID is just as infectious as basically the common cold. So the idea that, you know, you're going to, someone is responsible for their behavior is ridiculous. And what the media always does with this is that, you know, if you're, if you're against masks and lockdowns, then you're responsible for, you know, catching the virus. But people who are in favor of these policies who, who catch, you know, COVID, like the governor of Virginia. Yeah, we're going to talk about that next segment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he just tested positive, and and now you know, you know no one was talking about that. You know the the mask maniacs, you know, they have a free pass to test positive. For some I, to me, I think the Republicans, whatever the uh, um, abbreviated timetable for Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation process is, it needs to be moved up all the more. I agree. Uh, whatever, however, whether it's a seven, ten, fourteen days, however long they trace back his positive result uh, until he tests negative and he can get back out on the campaign trail. Uh, they they need to take the panic porn off of the headlines. If that's the narrative going into November 3rd, I don't believe they will win. I don't. Um, and I've said that all along. I, I think they need a new another narrative, another fight. And that's to have Amy Coney Barrett take center stage while the president has exited stage left. Anybody have any quick thoughts on that? You're right. You're of course right. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I would also add, you know, if, if only Dr. Fauci and, and Nancy Pelosi had worn a mask, President Trump would not be sick today. <laughs> well said. Jordan, what do you think? I mean, if I'm the White House man, I'm burning up the phone lines to McConnell's office at 1 a.m. last night. Hey, man, we're moving this thing on up like tomorrow. Tomorrow we're yeah, starting it's hearings. Not safe to have confirmation hearings. Just skip the confirmation hearings, and, and we'll just vote. Well, I think they know, need the show now. Tomorrow. They they have to have the show now. They need a distraction. If you just if you just voice vote her or just vote her up and down, okay, you got it. You ramrodded her through, but now we're right back to all the panic porn on COVID. I mean, they need a sideshow distraction, in my view. I think they need the confirmation hearing. Actually, yeah, I agree. They need an alternative storyline. I think it was a valid debate about whether to just to vote for her and not give them the show and let them bog down the process and we discussed that on the show right yeah. i think that was a valid tactical debate a week ago 
I don't. I think right now they they need the show right now. I mean, I mean, I I think right now they could use an alternative event to what's currently being discussed, and this is going to be another second month in a row. The first time we made the mistake because we decided to chase, and I still can't remember what the hell the story was a month ago. Uh, that we were oh, the president's comments about the military or something I think not, it, it alleged to have made so we chased their you know rabbit hole uh, a month ago with the promising jobs report this is going to be the second month in a row that it's like the promising jobs report just never happened never occurred so let's get to the exit question if the election were held today who would win by the way I, I have it from a little birdie the the map we put out in this segment last week that I put together yep. is actually the exact map the Trump reelect campaign is operating off of, with one exception. They don't have Michigan in play at the moment. But the rest of that map is the same thing I put out here in this segment last week. So if the election were held today, who would win? Jordan, quickly go. Uh, Biden. Trump. Aaron. Biden. Yeah, I think if the election were today, I agree. I, I think Biden would win. All right, when we come back, we're going to get into... Uh, the 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 latest with COVID, and it really centers around one man. And that one man is Scott Atlas. And Aaron or Jordan alluded to this a moment ago. And I'm going to repeat this mantra quite a bit today on my various platforms the next several days. You know, we have a, we have a doctor governor of Virginia with his perfect lockdown. We have a germaphobe president who uses the amount, an amount of a hand sanitizer that would contact, kill a, a hornet's nest 50 miles away. And he's got the best security in the world. They both got COVID. Our mitigations don't, mitigation efforts, they don't work, won't work. They can't work. And oh, and then there's Sweden. The best we can do is protect the most vulnerable we have. That's the best we can do. That's absolutely a lesson that needs to be learned out of this. More in a moment. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. It is the Day Scoop, our week in review. Roundtable, looking back on the week that was myself, Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and our special guest panelists this week, our good friend, independent journalist Jordan Schachtel, who has done some phenomenal work on COVID. So this will be right in his wheelhouse. Issue three, Scott Atlas versus the world. Dr. Scott Atlas, still the newest member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force, continues to be on the butt end of attacks on his credibility, especially after these comments recently. Dr. Redfield today said that more than 90% of the population remains susceptible to coronavirus. Do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I think that Dr. Redfield uh, misstated something there. And the so reason last time, and I'm going to answer your question if you let me finish. Uh, the, the data on susceptible that he was talking about was his uh, surveillance data that showed that roughly 9% of the country has antibodies. But when you look at the CDC data state by state, much of that data is old. Some of it goes back to March or April before many of these states had the cases. That's point number one. Point number two is that the immunity to the infection is not solely determined by the percent of people who have antibodies. So Americans hear one thing from the CDC director and another thing from you. Who are we to, to believe? You're supposed to believe the science, and I'm telling you the science. You know, I thought that it was extraordinarily inappropriate 
for him in a press conference like that uh, to contradict the director of CDC, as opposed to saying, you know, it's a complicated issue, and I think I'd like to sit down and and discuss this with the people from the CDC. This week, NBC News published a story about how an NBC News employee was on the same flight as CDC director Robert Redfield and overheard him say the words on the phone, everything he says is false. When Redfield was asked to clarify who he was talking about, he confirmed it indeed was Dr. Atlas. Later on in the week, Dr. Atlas fired back at Redfield, telling Fox News his advice to the president on COVID-19 is based on the current science and that attacks against him are aimed merely to delegitimize him. It may just be another instance of palace intrigue, but if Dr. Atlas can provoke an open fight with Messrs. Fauci and Redfield, it could be a very good thing. So, Jordan, let's go to you first. Why is Dr. Scott Atlas drawing so much fire here? Because Scott Atlas comes from a different world, far detached from a government bureaucracy that is not at all a meritocracy. It's simply, you know, who can gain and maintain power. And Fauci, in particular, has been very successful at that. And if you notice in the Fauci interview, he never contested anything or or even Redfield in, in, in his leaked comments to NBC. They never contested anything that Atlas said. They might say like, oh, everything he says is a lie. But in terms of having an actual debate or discussion with Atlas's statistics, which, you know, I can personally attest to, he gets his data from some of the smartest people, uh, you know, smartest data people and science people in the United States. Atlas knows what he's talking about. He spends all day uh, reviewing this information and making sure it's accurate. And when he's approached with false information, such as, you know, the information that's coming from the CDC and from, you know, Fauci's institution, the NIAID, it's not his problem that the information is wrong, and, it, and it's responsible for him to say, you know, no, I don't think that's actually particularly accurate. It's not, he shouldn't be saying, he shouldn't be engaging in political speak and saying, oh, you know, maybe I should have a sit-down conversation with Fauci and Redfield, because they're just not interested. They're, they're hack bureaucrats. They have no interest, in, they have no interest in, the, in the reality of the science and the data. They're just fear-mongering morons. And they, the one mistake that the president seems to have continued to make throughout the first four years of his administration is he's kept these, these idiots afloat instead of uh, you know, completely sidelining them and doing more to sideline them. So Atlas is completely in the right here. My favorite moment, I've mentioned this before, not with you, though, and I think Jordan, was um, uh, Fauci uh, claiming that Atlas's sighting uh, of 24 uh, – research papers and surveys on t-cell immunity was false when one of them uh came from fauci's department uh and was cited by fauci on august 11th himself actually as evidence of of maybe early limited uh built-in immunity because of t-cell memory to coronaviruses that was my favorite moment uh that we've had with this uh, merry-go-round so far what about you todd what do you think well scott atlas when he was on our show back in March, was May. it? or late April. It was late April. Was it late April? Yeah. Okay. It, it, we were, if not the first, one of the first shows that he, he was on. And he, Steve was not uh, trying, they, we agreed early on, you know, he, I, he didn't want to get overly political. He really didn't want to. And as several of the questions uh, Steve asked, he just said, I think I'm going to leave that aside for now. But he's had enough. It has 
this is a guy who, like a lot of us, and again, Steve's seen it in politics over and over and again with people he thought he's friends that then ended up shanking him. I've seen it in my local school district. It, these people need you to be on the team. You're supposed to be on the team. We're the controllers. We're the experts. We're the ones who know. And if you deviate from that, they hate you. That's what this is about. Mm. This is beyond science. It really has nothing to do with science. I agree. It's the, just the scientific, all politics. If it yep. was about science, let's face it, from the beginning, forget the personalities of the people, but he's an expert from Stanford in medical public policy. All along, a guy like Fauci, who's an epidemiologist, should have been explaining it to guys like Atlas, mm-hmm. and Atlas then should have been the one thinking more mm-hmm. broadly. And t- That's how it should have worked. Mm-hmm. But we're in the upside down, and then even today... Uh, Chris Wallace having another fantastic day reminding everybody Atlas really should not be talking about how healthy the president is at all because he's not an epidemiologist. We've created a cult around that nonsense. But this is a cult that goes beyond healthcare. It just has to do with this expert class. Trust the experts. Never again, at least in my lifetime, I will think I will be able to trust an expert of any damn thing whatsoever because of the idol worship that you've all bought into in every stratosphere of life. It doesn't matter whether it's health science, whether it's education, whatever you've got there. You're so damn proud of yourself and you're ruining everything. Aaron. Yeah, so remember last week when we had that uh, freak out from that young woman driving in the car. Holy bleeping bleep, you guys, I was driving in the car and I just found out that RBG passed away. Worst year ever. And we talked about what drives a person to do that and then post that on, on, on social media. And it really has everything to do with the core of progressivism, which is inherently, you be like God, vanity. Just vanity run amok. And as Todd pointed out, this this has nothing to do with science or data. This is Dr. Redfield and Dr. Fauci. They are progressives, guys. They are progressives. And when you tell them to their face or you tell them in a public sphere that they're not pretty and they're not the girl with the curl, this is what you get. This is the reaction that you get. As Jordan aptly pointed out, there is no disagreement. There's, There's no even attempt at a discourse die. There's no attempt at a back and forth here. It's just he's a liar. He doesn't have the expertise. Appeal to authority. Um, Unfalsifiability fallacy. There's no actually comparing data and science. It's just, why won't you affirm me? Why won't you tell me that I'm pretty? Mm -hmm. And I I just want to reiterate this as well. The girl in that video that I described, Dr. Redfield and Dr. Fauci are all the same person. Yeah. Hey, Rob, hey. Never forget, Redfield told you that the mask will protect you from coronavirus even better than the vaccine. Even though in the last month before that, he wrote in a letter to Senator Ted Cruz that we shared with you on the air, the mask is not intended to protect the wearer, but the people around you. So there you go. All right, let's get to the exit question here. Um, Would, true or false, let's put it this way, true or false, Trump's reelect chances would be better today had he brought Scott Atlas in much earlier jordan true or false it, it's one of the most true things you could ever say true of course Aaron. bet the house issue four the vp debate the vice presidential debate now looms this coming wednesday it'll be moderated by susan page of usa today the last time kamala harris debated was the fifth democratic primary debate the last time pence debated was the vice presidential debate of 2016 between him and virginia senator tim kane all right 
if the Pence Kamala showdown, if it were a Led Zeppelin song, which Led Zeppelin song would it be? A, no quarter, knock down, drag out fight. B, ramble on. A lot of mouths moving, not many people paying attention. C, in my time of dying. I'd almost rather do anything other than watch this. Or C, nobody's fault but mine. If you're disgusted by what you saw, keep in mind that these are the people that we chose to represent us. Which do you think it is, Aaron? Which is the best option there? I don't think I put a good one in there. Yeah, I don't think I put a good one in there. Um, I Because I, I don't... Maybe, maybe ramble on... Um, Maybe ramble. I actually think that this is actually is going to be pretty good for for Mike Pence. Kamala Harris is an extremely unlikable person. Her own party doesn't even like her. Remember uh, Tim Kaine and Mike Pence uh, head to head last time. I think Mike Pence actually got the better. Of well, he, t- he's Tim a former Kane. talk show host. Yeah. He, he actually communicates well. It's just he does so much. Leon Fortunato for Trump when they're doing those coronavirus task force things. You know what? It's just like, and every time, and the president did this and the president, it's just, it's, I, I it's gagged me with a silver spoon, but separated from that, although now he, he might feel compelled to say, we saved 2 million lives. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So maybe not. Jordan, what do you think? Um, I think it's going to be boring and nobody's going to watch it. So I don't know if it's B, if it's some hybrid of B or C. But my prediction is it'll probably be the lowest rated vice presidential debate in, uh, you know, TV ratings history. That's a good question of what is the lowest rated one. We should look that up. Worst rated VP debates. I'm going to look that up at some point. Todd. Uh, in my time of dying. Meaning that we deserve this. Oh, yes. Whatever, whatever next week's VP debate is, it's what we deserve. Absolutely. Can Especially get- now with Trump. Like. This is the time to do that happier, happy warrior thing on his behalf, mm-hmm. you know? It, so he, this, there's a level of gravity to this VP debate that there wouldn't be before, but look at who's there. If I would have said to you guys last December when Kamala Harris dropped out, and remember we had a policy on our show for like the next six months to never mention or acknowledge the worst take we may have ever had, but we refuse to admit we probably did when it came to her, right? Okay. If I would have told you guys back in December when she dropped out two months before the Iowa caucuses, guys, next October, VP debate, Kamala Harris and Mike Pence, you would have said to, you would have said what to me, Todd? You're fired. <laughs> and yet, here we are. And yet, here we are. Um, will it impact? Exit question. Will it have any impact on the election outcome whatsoever, Todd? The VP debate? Yes. No. Jordan? Unless someone says something so in- insane that it captures so yes. news reports the next day, so, there's no way. Okay, so yes, then, is Jordan's answer, given the way 2020 is going. Aaron? Uh, no. Okay. All right, let's get to predictions. Aaron, I'll start with you. My prediction is, I don't, I mean, I'm always the pessimist, so take this with a grain of salt. I seem to be better at pessimism than I do optimism. I think right in the middle, I think right in the middle of uh, Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation hearings, uh, player two or player one has re-entered the chat or player one has re-entered the game. Donald Trump's going to come back and get right back on the campaign trail. 
and we might have i'm not sure when the when the forecast from the federal reserve is supposed to come end come of the out. month and uh, end of the month so that's going to come back you know come out a little bit later as well I, I'm actually pretty optimistic on all of this, but I think in the middle of the Amy Coney Barrett confirmation hearings, Trump is going to come back say, "Hey, that wasn't that bad." Uh, onward. I don't know what to do with Aaron. And 2020 finally has me flummoxed. Aaron is now preaching optimism. I I don't know what to do with that. Todd, do you know what to do with that? I like it. I can handle it. All right. I don't know what to do with that. Todd, your prediction. Uh, I, I think by the time we get closer and closer to the election, there's going to be a serious the, the part two of the mail-in fraud ballot thing is is uh, a very legitimate concern about safety at the polls in several Americans. Can people even get there without threat of violence? See, I'm taking over for Aaron. I, I, I hate you sometimes. Jordan. All right, I'll take the optimistic side. Uh, the president's going to recover. He's going to recover quickly. Uh, he's in an age bracket. I think Aaron mentioned it earlier that you know some some of them uh, you know happen to uh, to pass away because they're of a certain age. But it's really because people you know are in nursing homes or have a lot of cor- comorbid issues, previous issues. People who are generally otherwise healthy, which the president appears to be, unless we don't know about some other conditions recover pretty quickly and, you know, are right back on their feet. So I think that's what we'll see from the president in the coming days. All right, I'm going back to the dark magic again. Second week in a row. Don't mess with the dark magic. I told you the Lions were going to beat Arizona because they can't just let us give up on a season and, and, and enjoy the rest of our fall in peace. And so now we're all back in. And so they have a bye after this game. So that must that means they have to come up with the most excruciating way to lose you could possibly imagine and in the final seconds and with no game next week so that they leave their fans in complete and total limbo and misery about what to do about Patricia and the general manager and are they making progress or not. So they will lead the Saints almost the entire game. And then at the end, Drew Brees will come up with something or Alvin Kamara will break some tackle in the flat and take it to the house and the Lions will lose or they'll do what they do best, which is clarify some otherwise obscure rule that we now all get the 411 on and they will crush you at the, in the final seconds. That's what's going to happen on Sunday at Ford Field when the Lions host the Saints. Uh, I'm, I'm like... I'm wandering through like at this. You're at this point. You're like, make it so. I, I'm walking through a third world country, coming Teach across a fascinating yeah. religion of some kind. I, <laughs> any anytime you start talking about lions, I'm like, show, show me everything. <laughs> Todd, it's a proselyte now. He's converted. Yes, indeed. Hey, Jordan, good to see you as always, man. Thank you very much. Have a good weekend. All right. Yeah. Thanks so much. You bet. All right. Uh, for hour two, we are going to do feedback Friday. It'll just be an abbreviated one this week because we're going to lead off next hour introducing you to a new film that is available on streaming platforms like uh, iTunes, uh, Amazon Prime, across the country. It's a movie four years in the making. It includes some scenes even with yours truly. That's right. I'm, I'm in a few scenes in this film. It's a pro-life film called Order of Rights, and it looks at it from the perspective of a father going to court to save his unborn child. We're going to talk to the the brothers that produced this film when we come back. Stay tuned.
We're back with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show over on Parlor at Steve Dace. Check out our new YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. And again, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. And if you're one of our beloved podcast subscribers, thank you. We're podcast listeners, I should say. Thank you. Make sure you become, though, a podcast subscriber. Hit that subscribe button wherever you podcast us from. Leave us a five-star review because the more of those we get, the more it helps the show to grow. And we want to say thank you to all of you that have left us those five-star reviews already. Let's get to some Feedback Friday brought to you by our good friends over at Rough Greens. You know, people go walking with their dogs, running with their dogs, feeding with their dogs, or feeding their dogs. Probably not feeding with them, not like eating on the floor, like right next to their dish. But you know what your dog needs even more than that? Uh, nutrients, because chances are the vitamins, the minerals, the antioxidants, pre, probiotics, omega oils that they are that they are needing is missing from their food because it's sterilized like our food is sterilized nowadays as well. In fact, that's why we take so many supplements. We've turned the supplement industry into one of the most lucrative in the country these days. Well, your dog could use one as well, and that's where Rough Greens comes in. It is not a dog food, but a premium dog food supplement that helps to put the good stuff that is missing back in their sterilized food and makes it taste even better, I'm told, at least, well, not directly by my dog cap but whenever we watch cap eat this stuff he absolutely loves it if you want to see if you don't see a difference in your dog in two weeks or less uh take the rough greens 14 day jumpstart challenge today get a bag for just 14.95 and see if you don't see a difference in your dog in 14 days or less when you go to roughgreens.com slash blaze that's r-u-f-f for roughgreens.com slash blaze at the bottom of the hour we're going to introduce you to a new pro-life film that is debuting on streaming platforms across the country today called order of rights the trailer is up on my facebook page right now you can go and watch it facebook.com slash steve dace it includes some scenes with yours truly we're going to talk about that film coming up at the bottom of the hour but let's get to some feedback friday And let's begin with Angie, who says, I was not aware of your show until February of this year. I have gone back to watch uh, your December shows. Um, I thought you would get a kick out of this. On December 12th, 2019, around the 26-minute mark, you say these words, and I quote, I don't know how much of next year is going to be fun because there will be a ton of dumb, unquote. When I heard this, I laughed out loud and said to the TV, you have no idea, man. I mean, we have talked before about how radical we thought assume you're being lied to for a show slogan in 2020 was going to be. And we were like, man, we could see ABC. That's nothing. The, the stuff that we thought was like radical we might see this year is nothing compared to what we have actually seen this year. Nothing. I tell I talk about that movie The Revenant, but there's other kinds about how it really tries to put you as deeply in the whole point of it is just to make you experience something viscerally and how much how much of my faith whatever amount was theory versus experience how much this last year I, I feel the depth and the weight 
of sin and human frailty like like never before i contemplate it all the time it's uh we, we talked all the time about the need for revival uh, again there's all kinds of really smart people that talk about uh, uh, such a need um but it's often you know ten thousand feet i mean we are just right in the middle of the chaos it's swimming around us everywhere uh brian from michigan says if we believe that moderators to debates are supposed to be referees and there are always questions about the questions let's solve this i propose we let each candidate ask the other candidate the questions each candidate gets to ask 12 questions to each from the topics below foreign policy domestic policy the economy one topic chosen by Biden, one topic chosen by the president. The final two questions can be whatever the candidates want to ask of the other after the first 10 are asked. Each candidate gets to make a three-minute opening and closing statement with a 90-second rebuttal. All questions are given 30 seconds to ask. Responses are three minutes. Rebuttals are 60 seconds. The moderators, all they do is enforce a hard timer, and the microphone is cut at the end of the time allotment, period. Mics are, are only on during the candidates' speaking times. This would take about 140 minutes, could shorten time allotments to get more questions in. This removes questions about fairness and hanky-panky with the questions and takes the moderators out of the loop. This puts everything on the candidates and allows them the opportunity to expose tough areas of questioning. Why don't we do something like this? What are your thoughts? Well, I'm totally sold, but the reason we don't has to do with what I said last hour about the expert class the expert class just needs to be the expert class you're of you, you obviously have a superior idea but it didn't come from their mouth and their mind so that's why right. it can't happen right i mean because brian you're these aren't moderators they're journalists and it, it i this this saying was given to me many years ago in my career but it was about the difference between reporters and journalists and i think it might have actually been an old friend david yepsen who said this to me very early in my career that the difference between a report a reporter reports the story, a journalist makes themselves the story. And that's what these moderators do. Right. Like Chris Wallace made himself the story. Get that that's what he did. So um you also presuppose that the point of these events is to actually have an adult conversation about issues you care about. I'd I'd like some of whatever you're smoking, brother. <laughs> I'd like to live in that world. Michael in Tennessee says, I have a question regarding the inevitable coming civil war. If revival doesn't come, whose side is the military and police on in this situation? I think it will vary based on where you live. I think it'll vary based on where you live. And then I think within where you live, you know, we've seen in California isolated counties where sheriffs have said we're not enforcing lockdowns anymore. We've seen this in isolated areas in Pennsylvania and in Michigan with the Democratic governors there where the, they've said we're not enforcing these things anymore. Right. But I, I think it will depend on where you live. I, I think that the idea that these are holistically good or bad institutions. No, I think they will suffer the same fault line breakdown that you will see systemically across the culture because they have the same frailties and sinfulnesses and or sinfulness and weaknesses that we have. Um, so I, I think it will largely break down based on where you live. Yeah, and I I think we're going to find out. I don't think there's they're so it's so baked into the cake uh, that the notion uh, that uh, there's going to be hijinks in this election. And if uh, Trump Trump loses 
and there's legitimate questions and they can't be solved in enough time, the left is going to get exactly what it wants in terms of the guy who refuses to leave. He was a tyrant all along. It's going to be, it's going to be nasty, man. You know, I, I was confident after 2008, if McCain lost, what the environment would be like going into 2012. I was right. I was confident in 2012 if Romney lost, what the environment would be going into 2016. I was really, really right about that. Um, I think I had a good handle on what, meaning the environment on our side. I, I think I had a good handle on what the environment was going to look like on the American right if Trump lost in 2016, but we'll never know because he didn't, right? So we'll never know. I have no idea. I don't. And I'm on ground zero of where that environment is going to begin assembling first and foremost here in Iowa, right? I have to tell you guys, I have no idea what the environment on the right will be like if Trump loses. I, I know one thing. The Republican Party machine, the McConnells at all of the world are going to try to move on very quickly and pretend like this era didn't happen. Y'all just had a temper tantrum and you want to go back to Brooks Brothers or even uh, nicer, maybe foreign suited uh, technocrats that they handpicked out of the K-straight machine. They're, I, they're going to do that, but they do that in every environment. That's who these people are, right? That They're just going to do that. That's their MO, their game plan, ET phone home. For the rest of us, though, I, I don't know what the environment will be. I don't have a clue what it will be. I don't know. And it's, when, when's the last time I ever said openly, or even you've heard me say, I don't really know what the environment's going to be if, if blank happens. I don't I don't know what'll happen. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, I'd prefer not to find out, but I, I don't know what'll happen. Tim says, I'm a Trump supporter, and a question came to mind while having a discussion with a family member who is very progressive that could not acknowledge anything good that Trump has done. Will we ever be able to acknowledge accomplishments of the president when it is not our guy in office? It made me think back to President Obama and being against everything he did because I was only listening to one-sided media. When we see that Trump has 93% negative coverage on a channel like CNN, it reminds me of the constant negative coverage that Obama probably received from a Fox and other conservative outlets. Can and will there ever be unbiased journalism again? I believe that you guys are men of facts and will give credit where credit is due. Um, while, I, while the percentage of coverage of Obama on Fox was probably close to what it is right now for Trump on CNN, the level of derangement... I mean, they frustrate me at times because I think they fancy their, I, I, well, in the case of Krauthammer, it's past tense, unfortunately, because he's passed away. But there are no Krauthammer's Brit Hume types on CNN, meaning there aren't, I mean, David Axelrod's probably about the closest, and he was the chief Obamaista. Okay, Van Jones is about the closest, and he's a damn communist. Okay, what I mean by that are serious people of intellectual heft on your side who take pride in slowing things down, looking at things, you know, trying all sides of the Rubik's Cube, examining things that take and speaking slowly and in, 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 in moderate tones, right? Who's that? Who does that for CNN? <laughs> exactly. Who's the Charles Krauthammer, Brit Hume? You know, the guys that in primaries frustrate people like us because they're not act, more activist and they and we feel like they're holding us back. You know what I'm saying? 
we have a fleet of those kinds of people on our side. And a lot of them get gigs on Fox. Who does that on CNN? Who, who fancies themselves the adult in the room and says, oh, hold on, slow down here. You know, let, let, let's consider all angles and the collateral damage of going too half-cocked and partisan. Who does that on the other channels? Do you know? Because I don't think that person exists. Correct. So even if the ratio of negative coverage for President Obama on a Fox during that time was probably similar to the negative of ratio, negative or the ratio of negative coverage for Trump on a CNN, the level of derangement just isn't entertained on a place like Fox. Like you don't get a gig there doing that. I don't know if I've tried. Um, they fancy themselves. There's, there's, there's other. They're looking for people who fancy themselves serious thinkers. On the other channels, they are incentivizing the derangement. They're, they're pushing it. You know, I mean, five minutes after the debate, they were already trying to get the Biden campaign to say, "We're not doing any more of these." Right? That doesn't happen. On what happens on Fox goes the other way. They send their reporters to the White House press briefing yesterday to hound, hound uh, uh, McEnany about is the president going to condemn white supremacy? Like they view themselves as the gatekeepers. Like we're the like we have to hold you righties in check here on our own in our own viewership. On the other channels, unleash the hounds. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they're 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 they're, they're you got you're Pavlov's dogs and they're ringing the bell, man. Come get some. They're throwing chum out in the water. On Fox, they're looking for opportunities to not do that and have for years. They view themselves as the they're holding the horde back. So the psychiatry just isn't the same. The, the culture of those respective channels is just not the same. That being said, though, your question is salient. I mean, I had no problem. I just didn't agree with a lot of what Barack Obama did. Uh, appreciated killing Osama bin Laden. And then there were a lot of things I just didn't agree with. But even since he's left the White House, when he's given comments on fatherhood and things of that nature, we have featured them affirmatively and talked about them on the show. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's one of the things that will frustrate you about me. If you are a hyper-partisan, I'm just never going to be your guy. Because I'm driven by who agrees with me. If you agree with me, I'm with you. And it's, and it's, and it's moment by moment, issue by issue. Like if you weren't with me, if you weren't with me on 10 other things, but you're with me on this thing, I'll be with you on this thing. I'm good. But if you're with me on 10 other things and you're terrible on this thing, I'm like, we'll get back to you. I'll get back to you when it's those other things. But on this thing, I think you're terrible. So I'm not with you. And a lot of people want somebody who's just going to be all in for their team. That's why when you send me theological questions and they begin with terms like Calvinist or, or um, dispensationalist, I just, I don't answer them. If you send me, do you, do you, Steve, do you believe in predestination? Steve, do you believe that, that God has divided history into seven epochs of, of time, of, of, which separate his revelation to the countdown of the end of days? See, I'll answer those questions. Like, if you flesh out what your belief system is, I'll answer. But if you send me some title or tribe name, I just don't even reply often. I just delete. Because most people, whole cloth, want to know, you know, are you wearing the same jersey I'm wearing? And I'm, I'm more concerned about why are you wearing that jersey? I'm just, that's how I'm wired. So if and when, shudder to think, there is a President Biden, if he does things we agree with, we're going to agree with him. We just don't anticipate that's going to happen very often. But we will. That's what's frustrated some of you with this president. I, I didn't abandon the things I believe because Trump did them. I supported the things I believe because... I believe them, whether Trump does them or anybody else does.
And that's why for a lot of people, that won't be their cup of tea. They kind of want the whole cloth, affirmative affirmation of, of my tribe, my team, my quarterback. That's cool. There's plenty of places for you to go. This just won't be one of them. If you're one of those places that wants to critically think, albeit we have a conservative bias, which we admit going in, but we try to critically think through that, but we can't totally because we're human beings. So we're somewhat subjective by nature. We all bring our own judgments to the table, right? Um, but we go out of our way to try to be self-aware, to try to critically think. We don't always do it successfully or to the extent that you would like. But if you like that exercise, then we're a great show for you. You know, it's funny. My, my Facebook page has several comments this morning from people livid that I am not providing the proper context of a positive jobs report for Trump and spinning it. My email inbox has been full of people this week livid that I am not providing the proper context of Trump's douchebag act, in my opinion, in this debate and, and spinning it. That, I don't need to spin anything. I, I don't spin anything. I didn't spin anything for Ted Cruz. I just say what I think. That's what I think. If you don't want to know what I think, don't give me a microphone. Don't give me a job. You can do that. That's totally cool. But if you do, I am going to tell you what I think, not what you think or you want me to think. And it doesn't mean it's right. It just means it's what I think. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if, we, if there's a President Biden and we get up one day and after he's had uh, a shot of Adderall, um, goes ahead and or him or Kamala, issues a kill shot on, you know, some Islamo-fascist scumbag and blows his brains out. We're going to be in here saying, God bless America. At least I will be the next morning. I'm, I'm totally cool with that. If he wants to do the kill shot, I don't care. As long as there's more of those dead Islamo-fascists, I don't care. You? Sure. I'm totally fine. I'm, I'm fine with whoever wants to kill the Islamo-fascist. You know, the, I'm totally cool. Just kill them before they kill me and I'll support that. So I'm for what I'm for. I'm against what I'm against. And I, I'm always fascinated because I think I make that pretty clear. Like, are you ever like unsure of where I stand on something? Unless, I'll, and if I am, I'll tell you. But I'm always fascinated when people feel like they have to like uh, interpret my remarks. Because I've always been under the belief that I'm too blunt. Right? Sure. But yeah, Tim. And, and I don't know where, we're, where we will go uh, from here. I, I don't know that there's a, there's a growing market for what you want. That's kind of, you're kind of asking me the steak or cheese it's question that we spent a year debating Daniel Horowitz uh, on the show. We had a running debate about that for a year, about a couple of years ago. Do people want information or they just want confirmation? I don't know. Is there, are there not more legitimate information outlets because there's not a market for them or the market's not willing to provide them? And then what would happen if somebody did, right? Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know the answer to those questions. Mike says, I don't know how many are aware of this outside of the military, but the National Guard and Reserve have had no in-person training since March, with exceptions being only for deploying units or if the Guard was activated um, for a specific emergency like the riots. Military schools have been canceled or done virtually. There has been no business-related military travel allowed. Now, while I'm sure it's a complete coincidence, we've been told that our first in-person training will be in November. I'm sure none of this was politically motivated and we were all just waiting for flu season and not for the election to get back together. See, this is the stuff that, honestly, I think about 
all the time. Oh, all of the things that we really have not unmined yet that have been hit and hit hard in ways that those entities don't even fully understand yet. Yeah. And because right now I'm just going through this thing with um, my oldest daughter in particular. This year is the crucial recruiting year. In terms, just like all the other sports, she get, she was supposed to get five, you know five visits, uh, things like that. You're not going to get any of the visits. All the camps she would have been to. So you're sending out tape. Coaches are having to do things in a different way, and so we're trying to do the best we can and plan for a future that's normal again. Just like we've got our football back to mm-hmm. some degree of normalcy. But I I keep thinking, is this is this just a wishful wish casting like now i mean is is there even gonna be dude last night noah and i so thursdays zoe usually goes to grandma's noah's late with cross with practice amy works late so thursday is normally just noah and i on our own and Anne of course has a job and a boyfriend in her own life so thursday's just noah and i on our own so last night after dinner we go downstairs we fire up the youtube to get caught up on some of the fanboy sites and what's the latest with the new batman movie stuff like that right okay I kid you not, as I'm scrolling through my YouTube account, videos recommended for you is a video yesterday from the Today Show. Based a new look, a fresh look at Sweden's success against coronavirus. I kid you not. I kid you not, man. So yeah. I mean, yeah. A lot of this is going away. Some of the, now, there will be a mixture of both. Like, they're going to try to have it both ways. Wear the mask because you told you to, but back to the ball games. Just everybody wear a mask. They're going to try to do that. Like, progressives love power and control. But you know what they also love? Going to the movies. And seeing the favorite ball team play and going to their kids' ballet recitals. You know what I'm saying? They love that stuff too. So, yep. Yep. Although still, the, the mask will be the place will be the will be the, the the battle line because that will be the symbol of their power over you but you know they they like going to um uh they, they like going to the, uh, the bahamas too they like going to jamaica too they like the final four too so yeah absolutely you're gonna get this stuff back it's just gonna well, be are you willing to partake I'll, in it with a mask on or not but if we truly go down the socialist rabbit hole are we yeah i don't see because that's what goes on in china that's how the chinese have all this power they give you all the trinkets and all the bells and whistles you want they just control your life in the in in return but is that something we just all accept as long as i their side is accepted whether we will or not i don't know that remains to be i don't know what the environment will be i don't know i'm just saying we can beg for the normal back when when i say the environment by the way i mean the environment on our side of the civil war i know what's going to happen over there ding dong the witch is dead back to normal everybody wear a mask that's what's going to happen i'm 100 percent confident Biden wins back to normal. And then the stories of the quick economic rebound in January and February back to normal. Just everybody wear a mask. I'm totally confident of that. We'll be fighting over masks next year, not over reopening things. It'll be only over masks. Now, how we're how our side will react. I don't know. I I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if our side will will um turn on each other over you didn't sufficiently support trump and this is why we lost whether we'll want to move on from trump um whether we will fight on the mask or just say i'm tired of this i'll just put on a damn mask and live my i i don't know 
And it may be all of those things at once. But yeah, they're, they're, dude, didn't I just tell you last hour that the number one leading indicator of unemployment claims last month was public education? Increase of 231,000 people in public education without jobs? Hell yeah, we going back to normal. Just y'all gonna wear a mask. They get their power and they, they, they get uh, to make a buck at the exact same time. That's what I think is going to happen over there. Pretty confident of it, actually. I'm not. I don't have, after this year, certainty. They're already greasing not. the skids, man. The newfound respect for Sweden. Today's show didn't know what a Sweden was for six months, and now suddenly, suddenly they have discovered where it is. Aaron, it sounds like you, it looks like you want to say something about this. I'm back to being pessimist, and I'm along the lines of Todd. Somehow, <clears throat> there's like the still, last hour, sweet. Yeah, um, there is. <laughs> he didn't last long, guys. No, no. Um, here's the thing, though. America is still so geographically large that there is no possible way that Democrats can allow. Um, everything to get back to normal, quote unquote, they will still find a way to politicize anyone who does not assent to the mask or whatever. This is the way it's going to go. Whenever you're in a mall, whenever you're in a Walmart, whenever you're in an airport, that's probably already happening uh, over the PA system. Federal law requires everyone to wear a mask. I agree. Three months later, three months later, federal law requires everyone to wear a mask. Federal law prohibits the use of political messages on masks. And you just keep going down. Totally agree with everything. Down yep. the rabbit hole. I, no, I don't disagree with any of that. The mask will be the toll that the mask will be the symbol of the fight. But they're going to everything else has got to be open. They're, they're going to want a growing economy. They're going to want to do fun stuff with their kids and, and they'll try to have it both ways. Yeah. The, the progressive thinks they can have it all. Okay. And so we're going to, we're going to make a ton of money. Keep in mind, most progressives, most hardened ones are wealthy people, affluent people. The wealthier you are, the more likely you are to be one of these people. So they like their money. So they don't pay voluntarily more money to the IRS every year than they owe. So they're going to open things back up that they like, but you're all going to wear a mask because they told you to. And you're going to wear it the way they told you to, and you're going to put it on and put and not put on it or put on it what they tell you you can and can't. That will be the fight, will be the mask, will be oh, the fight. But also, it's not just, it, the, what slogan do you have to say? I mean, we're, we're, we're heading down the road of dystopia. What? Yeah. Yeah, that's the so point. So that's my, so what access... Does the average person without totally being co-opted into the cult have? That's what my point is about talking about whatever dreams there are for the future at a public university. Look at China. That's where this is going. There well, is there, there there it's the it's the has the largest Christian population in the world. All right, but they're all strictly they're all converts and have no above ground cultural influence outside of the worship experience whatsoever. That's where they're going to try to take us. They have, they have all the same technology in the home that we have. They have all the same bells and whistles that we do. They get all the same Marvel movies that we get. But that, that's what's going to happen here. But that's my point. That's not 
living. That's not good well, enough. I, that's, 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 that's a uh, different I, debate. I, you can't, I cannot I, be seduced by football not, and I, movies. I'm and, not advocating for it. I'm just saying that's going, that's their master plan. That's my point. So my point is there's no new, the, we're not getting normal back. That's not normal. Well, that's uh, ghastly. Not, I, did I use the word normal? I say reopening everything. I'm not arguing with okay. you. I'm no, simply I, no, making. No, I'm, I know. I'm just wondering because if I did, I misspoke. That will when they say new normal, that's what it's going to be. They reopen everything because they don't like being. Look what happened up at Iowa State, man. They forced the AD to say we're not having fans for the first game. So he's like, hey, I'll tell you what. Then if I'm not, I don't get fans. You know, it's on my athletic campus, the place where you do all your musicals and plays. I'm closing that thing down. How you like them apples? Next week, what happened? Uh, we're Next time we get our fans all. at the stands because yeah. you're closing down the stuff that we like. So they like stuff too. They're going to reopen everything. It's just under their conditions and they will tell you what face burka you can and cannot wear and wear. And that's where you're going to have to fight. Just like you have to fight them on free speech and worship and everything else. They never relinquish control. They're going to reopen things, but the new normal that will be for them, we reopen things, but then we tell you what you can and cannot say and wear while you're there. Wow, that and sounds like wonderful. It's am I wrong? Well, but that's my point. Yeah. I now what I don't not, know is what we will do in response. They cannot to it. settle for that. Yeah, I, I don't. We might. I don't know. More in a moment. Hey, did you know the average American has almost 100 points that they could add to their credit score and rarely has any idea how to get access to them? Well, that's where ScoreMaster comes in. It's the new credit science that super boosts your credit score because they put the information where it belongs, at your fingertips, in front of you. You get that credit report from your mortgage lender, what have you, and they go through the pages and pages and pages, and there's all these graphics and abbreviations. You're like, what does any of this stuff mean? ScoreMaster makes it very plain to you. Here's why you have the score you have. Here is what's holding you back if you want it higher. Here's what you need to do in order to raise that score. I mean, it makes a big difference if you go from the high 500s to the mid 600s or the mid 600s to the low 700s. What you get in terms of a deal, interest rate, et cetera, whether it's a car, house, refi, you name it, can change dramatically. And ScoreMaster wants to empower you with that information so that you're in control of your finances and not the banks. Enroll in minutes. See how many plus points ScoreMaster can add to your credit score by visiting scoremaster.com slash Steve. Again, that is scoremaster.com slash Steve. The name of the film is Order of Rights. It's a movie four years in the making. It includes some scenes with yours truly. It releases today on streaming platforms across the country. The trailer is up right now on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Steve Dace. And the producers of that film, two brothers, Jim and Stephen Ball, join us now here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Gentlemen, it is good to have you with us. Welcome aboard. Nice to be here. Nice to be here, Steve. Sorry about the snafu there. No problem. Eventually, I guess. No problem at all. Don't worry about it. It happens uh, with today's technology. So let's get to this film. Tell us about you guys approach the pro-life issue from a unique angle, this time from the father's perspective, fighting to save his unborn child. Where did the inspiration 
for this film come from. You guys did this out of your own pocket. You made it out of your own pocket. People are going to see uh, some faces that are very familiar in uh, in faith-based filmmaking. Uh, the the female lead, for example, was, was one of the female leads in Unplanned last year. So you guys did this initially as a labor of love. You fought for years to get it to the big screen. Where'd the idea come from? Well, I'm a uh, priest, a preacher, and uh, I uh, every 4th of July, I, I uh, preach a sermon uh, on the Declaration of Independence and how it's based on uh, English common law, which is based on a biblical worldview. And I always talk about uh, abortion with regards to that. I, I say that um, uh, the phrase in the Declaration of Independence, uh, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, is not just a nice illiterate phrase, but that it is the actually order of rights. It's a way of determining how we settle moral issues and stuff like that. So I say life is a preeminent right, liberty is a second to that, and then the pursuit of happiness, which includes uh, things like, you know, the decision you make for your job and what you want to do. Uh, certainly a woman's choice would fall under that. And I talked about how in the 1800s, you know, the um, the uh, big civil rights issue of the day was slavery, and um, and they knew that if the slave was a fully full human being, that uh, the slave's right to liberty would trump the um, slave owner's right to pursuit of happiness, you know, the, their way of life. And I've had people come up and say, I, I never knew that before. You know, I, I'm pro-life, and I, and, uh, but I never really understood that. So I thought well, it would be nice to make a movie based on that. Uh, but how do you do it without being preachy and didactic? And the answer was make it a, a courtroom drama. Uh, and so... Uh, but also, I'm a man, and, and, and I have a perspective of, uh, I always think men have been emasculated in our culture and nullified. And of course, women have been defeminized in a lot of ways at times. And so uh, we always hear that it's about a woman's right, but I go, but the man's part of this. And so for, uh, we wanted to basically make it based on that. In other words, I, I, part of it just because that's my perspective, I guess. What's it take? to take a labor of love and finally get it to the point that it's going to be released on these streaming platforms across the country. I know you can speak to that, Stephen. You've been hard at work at that for the last few years. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome, Steve. And as you say, it's been four or five years getting this up there. And as you think, no, we had a theatrical release that we were going to be doing, and then COVID comes along, and, and that got nixed because of what's going on in the theaters. But to see it come out and, and, and to see how God has really created an amazing environment for this film to be seen, Steve, all over the world. I think if we had gone the theatrical route, it would have been a tough six months to build up our, you know, our, our gravitas to go online. But now that's, that's the expectation. You go straight to video on demand. So the Lord was really creating the environment for this film. And we, we're getting uh, inquiries now of even potentially going back and taking it to the theaters later on. It's, I mean, COVID's like changed everything insofar as how you get this to the theater. But it just feels great, to be honest with you, Steve, just Steve, to see it up there on all the major platforms. Stephen and Jim Ball are here with us. They are the producers of a new pro-life film. It's releasing today on streaming platforms. I know iTunes, Amazon Prime, any others, Stephen, to mention here really quick? Yeah, it's Google and YouTube, and next week it should be on Vudu. All right, so pretty much all the na all the major ones that you can uh, get this movie uh, today and then Voodoo next week. It's called Order of Rights. You can visit their website, orderofrightsmovie.com, if you want to watch the trailer. I've got it up on my Facebook page right now, facebook.com slash Steve Dace. One of the things I like about what you guys did with this film is it is a pro-life film, 
but the other side's viewpoints are aired uh, and 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 adjudicated. The 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 mother, the single mom of the pregnant single mother to be, uh, who wants her daughter to have an abortion, her fears um, and her emotions um, come from are, are treated with legitimacy. That doesn't mean you agreed with them, but but these people aren't treated in your film like one dimensional, snidely whiplash characters that that the different viewpoints at stake here on such a contentious issue are all heard from i like the way that you guys did that well thank you that was something we wanted to accomplish uh because uh to me just to to write a a one dimension well we see this happen to us all the time as conservatives as christians you know in hollywood were written not the way we really are uh and i think everyone knows that but uh we wanted, uh, I based Shannon Fields' character. She was in Facing the Giants, and she plays the mother of the girl. And, and I wanted people to like her, not to hate her. Uh, and, and creator's a real person who's actually based on someone I know who's a good mother. She raised two kids sacrificially that were born very deformed and things like that. But yet, And she's a midwife, yet at the same time, she's pro-choice or pro-abortion. And so that's a disconnect there. But And, and then with regards to making the arguments in the film... Uh, when we showed it last year uh, down in Dublin, Georgia, uh, we sh- did a benefit for a wounds clinic, clinic down there. One of the workers said, you did a great job, but I think that you portrayed the um, the other side's argument too well. And I said, well, it won't <laughs> serve anything to not do it right. But the other thing is everyone knows that argument. It's They put it forth in, in books, TV, popular culture. Everyone knows the argument, uh, but they don't know our argument. Uh, and so if they, so it's going to be a different thing for them. Uh, my my uh, niece who saw it, one of the early versions, who's she's pro-life and everything else, but she has a lot of friends who are pro-choice, and she goes, I wouldn't be afraid to show this for my friends because you didn't smear them and you put forth the arguments the way they make them. So uh, truth is truth. So we just decided to write it that way. When you look at the argument that the father makes in the film uh, in order to to justify his stance, it, it, it seems like you guys came to a conclusion here that I have come to in my own pro-life activism in the last oh, uh, six, seven, eight years, which is on, on one hand, as a conservative, I find myself arguing for individual autonomy a lot. Obviously, individual autonomy uh, as a person made in the image of God, meaning you don't have a right to do that which God to somebody else, which God says is wrong. But beyond that common sense sentiment, as a conservative, I'm typically arguing for individual autonomy against collectivism, centralization, command economies, etc. And and right. and this is where we in the on the abortion issue, it, it seems as if we have we have tried to argue this against our. A lot of people think we're arguing against our own default mechanism of individual autonomy. Well, now suddenly the since you're not a woman, you don't want to let her have autonomy. And that, and to me, the only way to get around that argument is to is to point out that. The, that that's a that's a life and if it's a life then it also therefore has a, 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 a right to, to individual autonomy it has not done anything wrong there's it has done nothing to justify it being extinguished and so if and to me I've, i came to the conclusion guys really the only argument we have is when does life begin when is a human a human when is a person a person Otherwise, we find ourselves arguing against our own bias towards individual autonomy. And I think that right. that's the it, it appears that in the film, that's the conclusion the father comes to in order to, to go ahead and 
and pick, uh, you know, the fight to save his child. Yes, agree 100%. Yeah, absolutely. See, you've been carrying the personhood argument for years, and that's essentially the argument, that this is a, this is a person, admitted, admittedly an early person, but it's a person in development, and that's, that's, that's the argument we're going after. Tell us about, before we let you guys go, tell us about some of the cast that you had a chance to work with in this film. Because I mentioned before, there's there's going to be some familiar faces. I cannot remember the gentleman's name, but he played the father in the last Kendrick Brothers movie about the cross-country runner. And he did a phenomenal job in that film. He is in this movie. There's going to be a, a, a lot of familiar faces to people that have uh, seen some uh, some successful Christian movies in the last few years. Well, Shannon Fields was the first one we got to know, and, and we got her involved early on. She's also one of the producers, and she was in Facing the Giants, which is really the first, in my opinion, first big Christian film that did something. And then Ben Davies was in their third or fourth movie, Courageous. He played uh, one of the young policemen in that. Uh, but we also have uh, Michael Joyner, who plays the opposing uh, lawyer, the pro-choice lawyer, who is the star of a film called Grace Card, uh, which which did pretty well, and he did a phenomenal job in that. A couple of years ago, we were down at a film festival in Atlanta, Georgia, and I met Cameron Arnett. And Cameron used to be in um, Hollywood, and he left there because he didn't he didn't uh, like the moral tone of everything. But I met him at the uh, Kingdomwood Film Festival. He came up to me and said, "You know, I'd like to be in your film." And I liked him so much that I took two parts. I was really going to have a part of a pastor and then another part of a coach, and I merged them so I could give him more lines. Now, we shot this before Overcomer, but Overcomer came out last uh, summer. And in my opinion, he did for, for, for one, he did a great job in that. But two is, is um, I think he was sort of the main character of the film. That's the one most people notice. So uh, we got a lot of bang for our buck in terms of just, awareness and popularity plus he's a, a super great guy um other 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 actors you know some people we know and stuff like that so S- Stephen, final thing um mm-hmm. it sounds from people listening that jim kind of handled the creative side of this you kind of handled right. the uh the production side of it how to actually take these concepts and put them on screen and get in them a format that people would actually be able to access if there's anybody in our audience right now that they've got a wild hair like these two brothers from Maryland. Hey, man, let me just see if we can make this thing happen, okay? Um, and 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 go for it. What advice would you give them? Well, actually, I'd probably turn it over to Jim. I mean, he's you have to be in the business. I mean, Jim's been doing this for a while, and behind the scenes, maybe not that everybody has seen, but you know, getting it out there on the platforms, I would say it. Again, the COVID environment opened this up to us in a special way. But um, Jim, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Well, it, it, it's it's well, that's a tough answer because I mean I've been in the film business for a long time. Before I got converted, I owned a recording studio, had a film business, and I learned the trade. You know, uh, shooting, directing, editing. I also did music for films, so I did the music for this as well. We kind of did, so we're able to do a lot for a little bit of money because we don't pay ourselves. Uh, so, and I already had the creative team down. What we what we built in this, like I said, was Steve and and our sister Julie and her husband. They did they did a lot of the financing, and they also opened the doors for all of, you know, it's not just making the film, but it's also finding those who can do your PR, do your uh, do your advertising. And we got a great guy, Josh uh, Josh Lopez, Lopez from Rocket Lava and from Rocket Lava, and a great PR person, uh, uh, Christy and Debbie Singh. Uh, and so in the making this film, one of the things that took so long to get it to the screen was finding the, A, a the the, uh, 
the uh, uh, distribution means, but also the ways to promote it. And we have a lot of uh, public figures uh, tweeting about our uh, about our movie. Dinesh D'Souza uh, tweeted about it today. Uh, David Harris Jr. has posted it several times. And so it's kind of, it, it's like it's a thousand moving parts, and it's not just the director, it's not just the shooter. It's like uh, the producer and all the people behind the scenes. It's a lot of work, and we build up. We built. You know, I would say say make a film. You know, make a small film, make it work, figure out how to do it, build up your build up your cast. But it doesn't happen in 15 minutes. I mean, this is a culmination of really more like 30 years of work as opposed mm. to four or five. Orderofrightsmovie.com is the website. If you want to watch the trailer, it's on my Facebook page right now, facebook.com slash Steve Dace. Releasing on streaming platforms across the country, no matter no matter where you're watching or listening today. Uh, you can get it uh, via iTunes, Google Play, uh, also Amazon Prime. Next week, it'll be on Vudu as well. So pretty much all of the major streaming platforms uh, for on-demand watching across the country. Yours truly, uh, they decided to take a massive risk. Yours truly has a few scenes in the film as well. All right, so it, it it's it it's a fascinating intellectual look, but human look at the pro life battle, both within our own hearts and our own families, but also in a court of law as well. Uh, Jim and Stephen Ball, hey guys, thanks for letting me be a part of the project. Seemed like we were never going to get to this day, but congratulations to you guys. I know how hard you have worked to get it to this point, and. May it be blessed and seen by many. All right. God bless. Thank you. you, And you've been a big inspiration to us as well. So we really appreciate it. You bet, man. God bless you guys. Take care. God bless. YouTube. That was another, that's the biggest platform of all the ones I didn't mention. So yeah, I should mention that you can get it on YouTube as well. Right as we were finishing up, I don't know what to think, guys. All right. The most favorable poll to Trump that was the most accurate poll in 2016, Rasmussen. Their most recent poll has Biden up by eight. (laughs) Investors Business Daily, which was the second most accurate poll of 2016, by the way. First debate, first post-debate, all sample of people after the debate, okay? Has a three-point shift to Trump this week. Basically tied. Biden by three within the margin for error. It's going to stay weird. I I don't know what to think. So the, t- <laughs> the 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 top two most accurate national polls in 2016 went the exact opposite direction after this debate. See, there's a silver lining to assume you're being lied to. It, there seems to be some comfort, at least down the stretch here. They won't be able to lie to us well with these polls because they just can't even get close to something resembling the truth. Yeah, not these two are the most accurate last time, so I don't think they're lying, but I but I think others are. I wonder if this is telling you it's really hard to pinpoint who is yeah. going to turn it, out and vote on yeah, election. Not so much, yeah. It's not so they much they, they uh, won't. It's so much it's it's they can't. They can't. I mean, you're just that person's voting or that person's not. I don't know. Everybody have a great weekend. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.